Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co. You got your Bibles open to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. Do you need notes? Anybody would like notes? If you'd like notes, raise your hand and you didn't get them. We got them right back here. Can y'all help pass us that? Danny, can you help with that? Or James has got it or somebody's got it. Cool. Raise your hand high so they can see you as they come. This is for you in case I don't preach what's on it. <laughs> yeah, y'all think I'm kidding. This week, we're going to continue in our series of kingdom carriers, becoming kingdom carriers. And uh, we've been talking, we've been talking a lot about, you know, different ways that, that we carry the kingdom of God. Uh, and we're basing it on the scripture when Jesus comes to the disciples and he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he says to us, and so I give you the keys to the kingdom. He passes that authority to the church, and he gives us the keys. And what we've been trying to do is examine different keys. We've been trying to examine uh, keys that, that, that God could give us to open up. And today we're going to talk about uh, the key of knowing God's plan for your life. Knowing God's plan for your life. There's, there's not another one here that you no, we, are we out? There's one right there. Yeah, there we go, right there. Richard, there's two right here. There's one, there's one needed right here, too. There you go. There you go. Cool. Beautiful. Did you get one, Wendy? Wendy still needs one right there, Richard. Raise your hand, Wendy. Would you do that? There you go. Knowing God's plan for your life. How many would say, now that everybody's got their hand out, man, I really want to know God's plan for my life. How many would say that besides me? I really want to know God's plan for my life. I think that is probably the number one question that we all have as believers. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that really, it probably breaks my heart as much as anything else. And that is, when you begin to preach the messages like I'm going to preach today, what you, what you understand is, is that you're going against the cultural grain. I mean, I constantly go through the cultural grain, uh, the, the cultural grain and I always ask the Lord, Lord, I got to do this again? You want me to do this again? And, and the truth of the matter is, I can't really preach the gospel without going against the grain. Because the gospel starts with this. Unless you die, you can't live. <laughs> unless you die, you can't live. Unless a, feed, a seed falls to the ground and dies, it can do nothing. But if it does fall to the ground and die, it can bear much fruit. There, there is a paradigm shift in your mind when you come to, come to understanding how to get into or open the kingdom or use the key that God has given you to open the kingdom when it comes to his master plan for your life. There's a paradigm shift that must occur for us to actually enter into that possibility. It's a whole paradigm shift. And so I'm going to pray this morning that we get it. Can we pray together? Amen. Father, thank you, God, that you're not playing hide and go seek. Thank you, Lord, that it is your will 
that we know your master plan. Each one in the room, as a son or daughter of God, was, was predestined to accomplish greatness through you. May we understand this morning how that happens in your kingdom, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So let's start with Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Let's read this. Let's read it out loud, loudly, and together, if we could, please. Let's, you ready? For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There is a predestined plan. Now, this morning, I'm not going to talk about predestination as an overall doctrine. Because I'm not sure where I stand on that totally. Because I do believe that he's saying right here that we were predestined, right? And there is a predestined plan. We also know that we were saved by grace through the power of the cross, and that plan was predestined before the foundation of the world, right? So that plan is predestined. He says this about you in your mother's womb. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. He's got plans. He's got predestined ideas. We've been talking about the reign of judgment over the last weeks and how the church is going to be, uh, have to be judged. How does that happen? It happens by, based on what, you're going, what you've been given, your talents, your, your skills, your spiritual gifts, your resources, your opportunities that are going to come up from you day to day as God gives you the ability to, to open the kingdom. Now, here's the deal. Here's the question I want to ask you, and I want you to really answer it. If by raising your hand in some, in some church service somewhere, maybe when you were a kid or maybe it happened later in life or maybe you're Walton Isle and you, and you uh, uh, made a profession of faith in Christ, and, and you genuinely did that, and you became a son or daughter of God. Does that guarantee that the predestined plan, the master plan for, 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 from God to you, is that, is that actually guaranteed that that's going to occur because you made that profession of faith? The answer to that question is absolutely not. It's not guaranteed to occur. So that means that there's something that has to happen. There's, there's leeway that can happen in all of this. And, and, God's, and God's desire is that 100% you actually receive the revelation and accomplish everything that he intended for you to accomplish while you're on this earth. And did he make that impossible? Did he make that a pie-in-the-sky dream? Is that some unrealistic expectation, some kind of weight that God might have put on us that is unaccomplishable? It's not. It's not. He wants us to understand and walk in everything that he has planned for us in his master plan for our life. So this key opens the door for God's master plan in your life. And it is born out of spirit-led living. It is contrary to the ways of the world. It is 
a predestined plan for you because you were born of the family of God by his spirit and then you became dead to sin and then you became you came alive to God, you became dead to sin. Now, when you talk about dead to sin, Scripture ties that with you also became dead to the ways of this world. He ties the two together. So it is a spirit-led life that was predestined for you. And we become alive to God, we get to know Him, and then we learn to live in the power of the resurrected Christ. Now, here's the question I want you to answer for yourself. If it is true that we're, that we're dead to the old man and we come alive to God, that God, Jesus, poured out his Holy Spirit, that he poured it out on us and we were baptized and filled to overflowing, those of us that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, if that's the case, even if not, the Spirit of God still lives in you. You might not have been full or been refilled or whatever it might be. And I think there's all kinds of things that goes with that. I ain't got time to teach on that right now. But there's a power made available because you're now the temple of God. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit lives in you. You worship in spirit and in truth. You know, you line up with what God says. You have the ability to learn that. Do you think, this is what I want you to understand. This, this is the question. Do you think that the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is big enough and strong enough to give you revelation of God's master plan for your life? It is. You see, when we think about the miraculous, sometimes we shortchange the idea of being, of being in tune with God's master plan. And I think that is a big miracle. I think that's a huge miracle for me. It's a huge miracle in this. God has a plan for me. I mean, the creator of the universe has a plan for me. He set the stars in place. He holds them together. Gravity works. The temperature of this planet stays perfect so we don't get too hot or too cold. All the solar system rolls around together because his hands hold it together. And that God who spoke that into existence loves me enough to have a plan for me. Amen. That, to me, is miraculous. Yeah. And the resurrected Christ wants to reveal it to me. He wants me to see it. He wants me to know it. And the heartbreaking thing for me as a person and something I'm having to grow out of and, and grow into something else and what I see all across the church community in, in, our, in our nation and in our culture is a double-mindedness. And there's somewhat of a warning today about that double-mindedness. And I just want to talk just a little bit about it and warn you, don't get caught up in it. And I'm going to give you some scripture that talk about it. But let me just tell you some of the things that I'm talking about. I've been hearing a lot about this lady. I guess I just heard it one too many times. I guess I just heard it one too many times. And, and the thing I I'm tr want you to hear from me and from my heart is I'm not judging something because the Word of God never returns void. I just want to show you how sometimes we mix worldly ideas with Christian ideas. And, and we become double-minded, the Bible's going to tell us. This is, what, this is what I'm hearing these days in the church. We're going to have a God moment in our service. 
We're going to have a God moment. We're going to set aside three minutes that we want to have a God moment, and we're going to plan that God moment. And I really thought we were supposed to have a God hour and a half. I'm not really sure, but I really thought that that's really what's supposed to be. In other words, you know, we're trying to manufacture this thing. We're trying to produce this thing. And, and, and to me, it's a scary thing. That's a scary thing. But, but it's bigger than that. It, it, gets, it gets really big when we, when we understand that we're supposed to be separated out. I saw a vision of a, a, of a church recently, and it said, we'll do anything we have to get as close to the world as we need to without sinning to make sure that you come to Christ, to reach as many people as possible. And, 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 you know, that sounds okay, doesn't it, so, to some degree, except for the fact that God said, you be separate. You separate yourself. You look different. You look neat. You look peculiar to the rest of the world. Do you know that Muslims are coming to Christ by the droves that are, that are refugees because of the difference in Christianity from what, they, from what they've experienced? It is happening like crazy over in the Middle East. We need to give the Lord praise and just thank you, Lord, for, for that. But it's because they're not serving that same God. There's a difference in the God that's been represented over there in Christendom. So let's read Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Let's read it. Let's read it out loud together. It says, do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. That is not a scripture that's given to us that is unattainable. That scripture is saying that you don't need to be conformed to the world, don't think like the world, but be transformed by changing the way you think. Now, now, repentance, I think, is one of the things that the Lord is really putting on my heart, not only for me to do, but for me to teach, to be the model. There is a lifestyle of repentance. Somehow repentance has gotten a bad name. It's gotten a bad rap. It sounds like, ooh, repentance, that means you're, something's wrong with you. Well, of course there is. <laughs> we, hadn't, we're not, we, we hadn't made it yet. Too many times we think we're, we're, too, we're, we're too far along. We think we're further along than we really are. And the truth of the matter is, the more I get into the presence of the Lord, and the closer I get to God, the more I realize I don't look much like Him. You know, the angels in heaven sing holy, holy, holy 24-7. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord your God. Holy, holy, holy. Glory and honor and power and dominion are his. Hallelujah. Glory and honor and power and dominion. And they never get tired of it. You know why? Because this is what I believe. I believe what's going on. I believe that they're seeing a new attribute of God. I think they're seeing something that God did that's new. And they go, holy, holy, holy. And then they see something else. And they go, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. They see a new attribute of God. The closer you are, they're in the throne room. The closer you are to God, the more you see that you need to be transformed in his image. How does that happen? Repentance. 
It happens because you have a mindset that you're going to repent. Repent is not a negative word. Repent means to stop doing what you're doing and start doing something different. To stop thinking the way you're thinking. And, th- and we have, we've been indoctrinated in this culture, in this life by a bunch of worldly thinking. And God says, don't marry that with heavenly thinking. And it's contrary. Jesus says, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways. He doesn't think like we do. He, he doesn't move like we do. And so he says that we are to be transformed. So there's a double-mindedness that we can get caught in. Don't succumb to it, but don't judge it because God says about you and me that, that that's not something we should do. We should, we should see it and not succumb to it. But we also have to know that wherever this is, whatever church that is that, we, that I just mentioned, they are going to preach the word in some degree, and it's not going to return void. It's impossible for it to return void. And so they're going to accomplish things from the kingdom. But what we need to be aware of is we don't need to be mixing our thinking with worldly thinking. In fact, the Bible says about you and me, and you can see it if you think about yourself, and Mel just described it. And we think about the condition of the church, which we need to pray about, including this church. It's that we start in the spirit oftentimes, and then we finish in the flesh. In other words, we get real excited when we get saved. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your salvation. We should never lose that joy and that excitement. You know, we should stay there. But then we say, I got it from here, God. You know, there are so many times that we begin to move out from there away from the Spirit. And, and, and we begin to do things in our own strength, and we do them based on the way the world does them from that point on. Many start in the Spirit, but succumb and try to finish in the flesh. James chapter 4, verse 8. I told you I'd get to James. There it is right there. James chapter 4, verse 8 through 10. Let's read this together. You ready? Loudly. You ready? Here we go. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Stop. <laughs> Isn't that enough? Yeah. You know, if you, if you wonder about the plan, if you wonder about what God's thinking is, if you wonder how might I find God's master plan for my life, there it is. You come close to God, and he'll come close to you. You pursue him, draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Does that sound like repentance? Purify your hearts. Does that sound like renewing your mind and your thinking? For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. It's divided. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he says this, How foolish can you be? After starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Do you, I mean, just these two things alone give us this idea that God is interested in an intimate personal relationship with us. James chapter 4, verse 4 through 6, it comes just before what we read about coming close to God. It says this, adulterers and adulteresses, 
Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an Say it with me. And or do you think that the scripture says in vain? Listen, in other words, it's these wasted words. Did I waste ink on paper when I said the spirit who dwells in you yearns jealousy? Learns yearns jealously. You know what that means? God is Elquanah. That means he's a jealous God. What's he jealous of? He's jealous of anything or any thinking that would deter you from accomplishing 100% his master plan for your life. Anything that gets in the way of that, he's jealous. And he says, the spirit yearns for you to be, understand the revelation of God's master plan for your life. He's jealous. He says, it, he, but Jesus, he, through the Spirit, gives more grace. Therefore, God resists the proud, and he empowers those who would look to him to accomplish the works in life. John 1 2, 15 and 17. Let's read this. Let's read it loudly together. Do not love the world or the things in the world. You know, we did this first service. I like it. Let's stand up. Yeah. This kind of makes you go, huh. Now, what you want to do is use, uh, use your, your diaphragm <laughs> muscles to project. <laughs> Let's say it loud. Do not love the world are the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Any questions so far? It's kind of a paradigm shift, isn't it? It just goes, it just, whoo! Okay, we can be seated. It's interesting. So what do I do? I humble myself, I pray, I pursue God, and that means when you pursue God, you got to know what God says. Jesus says about his word, he wrote it down for you so you'd have it. You, you need to understand that John says this about Jesus. This is Jesus. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is Christ. Do you want to know Christ? Do you want to know Jesus? you got to know this. You say, well, I don't understand. Well, you better make lots of effort. If you have a hard time understanding the Word of God, first, you need to make sure that you have a relationship with Jesus. Second, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Third, you need to read. Well, I still don't understand. Then you need to read more. You don't need to quit because this is Jesus. He might be testing your heart just to figure out whether you really love him or not before he begins to reveal it to you. He wants to find out where you are. He wants to soften you. He might want to do all kinds of things, but the deal is this. Listen to me. He designed marriage after a relationship between us and him. He said about you and me that we could be in an intimate relationship with him like he was with the Father. And he said about himself is that I don't do anything unless I see the Father do it. I don't do anything unless I hear the Father say it. I don't even say that. I don't say anything that the Father doesn't say. And he said about you and me that we can have that same 
thing. Now, it is modeled, marriage is modeled after our relationship with Him and the Father and us and Him. We're the bride of Christ, right? Can you have an intimate relationship with your wife or with your husband without conversation? (laughs) The guys are saying yes and the women are saying no. Somebody just said, and they need to repent. <laughs> it's hard to have an intimate, converse, uh, intimate relationship without conversation. You can't do it with a friend. You can't do it with a child. It's basically impossible. Can we all agree that it's impossible to have an intimate relationship with Jesus without prayer? Today is the day that we're, we're done with making excuses of why we don't pray. Because it's impossible for you to begin to actuate the master plan for your life without conversation with God. It's absolutely impossible for you to have the type of relationship with God that it takes for you to accomplish his master plan without prayer. Well, you say, well, it makes me nervous. I don't know how to pray. Yes, you do. I hear you talking all the time. Yak, 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 yak. You just need to start doing that to God. And God won't tell you to shut up. (laughs) You cannot. And you say, well, why isn't God doing something in my life? Because you're not talking to him. Or you're not asking him the right questions. Or you're not saying the right things. Because what you want is you want God to bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless me, God. Why isn't this happening? Why isn't that happening? Why does all these things happen to me? I'm going to go eat some worms. (laughs) And that's our prayer to God. Instead of what it takes to hear from heaven. This is what I hear from the church all the time and people in church. Well, my ministry this and my ministry that. And my ministry this and my ministry that. Sometimes it makes it hard for me to swallow. Because your and my ministry is exactly the same. And that is this. We minister to the Lord. You minister to the Lord. You minister to the Lord. And he gives you instruction. And then you do that instruction when he gives you that instruction. And it never is going to look the same for any of us. And we might be in different areas of authority, but our goal and our ministry is the same. And that is to respond to what Jesus is saying for us to do. And that is it. That's it. And he wants to speak, but we've got to talk to him, to hear him. We've got to be in intimate conversation to get what he wants to give to us, okay? And so we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to pray. We've got to pursue the word. We've got to be patient. We've got to listen. And we've got to minister to God. Jesus did nothing on his own every day. Every day, Jesus himself had instruction. And there's no substitute for prayer, and there's no substitute for the knowledge of his word. And so you've got to quit saying about yourself, I can't pray. I don't know how to pray. I'm uncomfortable praying. 
let me just give you a pastoral word of encouragement. You ready? You sure? Get over it. <laughs> Amen? I mean, man, your life hangs in the balance. You've got the creator of the universe that is able to empower you to do great things, things you can't do in your own strength, and you're scared to talk to him, to ask him, or to move. And he says about those kinds of things, we need to pray his will, and when we pray his will, it'll be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so without conversation, you can't even know what the will of God is. You get to hanging out with God, and what you'll find is what you desire shifts. And it begins to line up with what he desires. You begin to pray what he desires, and then you see it being the copy. So let me tell you a story of what happened this week. It's an amazing story. It's an incredible story. Tell somebody, well, I can't wait to hear this. Just to make sure you're awake. This is an incredible story. The credible story. Easter's coming up, and you need to invite somebody to the church. We want our people standing on Easter. We sent out a mailer. We asked 5,000 people to come. That doesn't get you any leverage not to ask anybody to come. That was all I invited. You hadn't invited anybody yet. <laughs> We went to the post office. We went to the post office and we were mailing these things and Liz takes them up there and she worked hard to make sure that we do everything like we're supposed to. And she's been talking to this area of the post office and they give us all this stuff. So we take them to the places where we have to drop them off. Well, the ladies that are helping there don't have a clue about how, how to do this process and they don't have the administration rights to be able to go to the website of the U.S. Postal Service to even make the two meet, you know? And so Liz is after about an hour looks to Christine and said, you go pray. We need some, we need some breakthrough here. So Christine's over here in the corner praying and Liz is being her sweet self. And the manager comes out after about an hour and a half and says, you know what? We want you to be a happy customer and we're going to take the price and we're going to mail these things just like they are. We're going to mail them first class and we're going to do it instead of doing it for 17 cents, we're going to do it for eight cents. Cut the price in half. Hallelujah. Isn't that an awesome story? That's a fantastic story right there, right? That's where most people stop. Now, I didn't have any idea this was going on, and I go to Financial Peace that night. I take, I take uh, Chris's place. He's in Atlanta on a business uh, meeting he had to go to, so I do Financial Peace. Well, I find out that somebody in that class has this tax burden on them. Anybody had a tax burden on them before? Man, that just, I mean, it feels like, ah, you know, you, some of you are going to have a tax burden in about... For, uh, 13 days. But anyway, it, it's not a good feeling, is it? I mean, it's just terrible when you, it's like getting a speeding ticket when you find out that you, you know, that you might owe somebody something. Anyhow, it was burdening them and, and I was good, you know, I'm used to financial peace. I've been doing that for about 20 years. And so I was good with them having a little burden, but the Lord said to me, take the burden off. And I went, what? You know, I, I didn't say it out loud. I just was like, well, Lord, you want me to pay everybody's taxes in the church? That's in my head. Anybody raise their hand? Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> no. He says, no, but I, I want you to do it. And so I took care of the burden. I don't know anything about what happened during the day. So I take care of the burden after financial peace, and I call my wife. I said, Liz, how'd it go today? Oh, it was rough. 
We had this, 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 and this happen all at the post office, and they gave us half price. We saved almost the same amount of money on the mailer as we did giving to the one with the tax burden. So the Lord took the U.S. government and paid the U.S. government. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, we could have stopped with praise the Lord, I'm glad we got blessed. But you continue to follow the Lord, and he says, I want to use you to be a conduit to bless somebody. You've got to learn to always follow God. That's the... God, I got so much. That's the issue, the, the thinking. I was in the business world for so many years, and I, I was in sales, and so I had sales representatives under me, and we always did gold setting. And, and, there's, and there's, some, there's some things about gold setting that has some positive value, but you've got to make sure that the, the ways of the world don't cross over into the ways of the church. Because what happens oftentimes with goal setting is you start in the spirit and you end up in the flesh because you begin to chase the goal instead of the God of the goal. And you got to make sure that you're pursuing God for the answers to the question. Let me just give you another example. Golly, there's, I got so much. I ain't got no time. Here's the example. The Lord has given us vision to, to, to build another building, right? He, the bank says Yes. We've got money in the bank. We can start. Well, why hadn't we started? Because the Lord hadn't said start. You know, is it the vision of God? Yes. But if we don't pursue God, if we don't wait on the Lord, if we don't hear the word of the Lord, if we don't ask the people who we hold ourselves accountable to and they believe that they're hearing from the Lord the same way, then we have God's vision and we go out and apply that vision because we're trying to reach a goal and we're totally outside the will of God, even though it's his vision in the first place. He wants you to depend on him. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. We're one. You're yoked with me. You walk with me. You pursue me. And so make sure that you don't succumb to the world's way of thinking even when it comes to goal setting. Because let me just tell you something. God says this. He says, seek first the kingdom of heaven and my righteousness, my right thinking, and I will add all these things unto you. And this is what I believe with all my heart. And I believe it about sales and business and everything else. That you cannot do on your own strength anything close to what Jesus Christ can add to you if you're in his perfect plan for your life. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. You will not accomplish as much monetarily, nor will you be able to get the, the, the uh, feeling of accomplishment like you will when you see the kingdom be advanced in your life. It just won't happen. And so be careful how you succumb to the world's way of thinking. So let me give you an alternative. Let me, let me just tell you what I think. You know, we, let's, we deal with numbers, so let's just say, that we produced $100,000 in sales, and we made 100 sales. So that's really easy, right? So that, that, that you know, easy math. We, we get a, an average sale for that. So let's say your company puts pressure on you to have a 10% increase. Happens all the time. Every department, usually, you know, you did a, boy, you did a great job. You did super. Now let's get a 10% increase. It happens every year, doesn't it? 
So how do you not let, how do you stay in, in the thinking that I'm telling you about and not allow the world system to, to, to overtake you, that, that, that keeps you from succumbing to it? Let me just tell you how. When you get that set of goals, you need to realize where your help comes from. You need to understand that God gave you a job so that he could release his image in you, that the creative element that he created this whole universe is, he wants to release that in your workplace. He wants to release that part of who he is through you, and he does that through work. And if you'll begin to cry out to him and say, Lord, I need revelation on how to have this increase. I know, Lord, that you put authority over me and that I am to submit to that. And I need to work as unto the Lord. And if I do, you will add these things unto me. And it becomes a focus on the work ethic to please God versus a focus on any financial thing or anything that's outside of that. And in the meantime, God, I have this incredible expectation that you're going to use me in a mighty way to bring redemption and reconciliation to all these people that I'm going to come in contact with while I do your work. Amen. It is a paradigm shift. It's a paradigm shift because he wants you dependent upon him. Always conversation with him, asking him. You know, Proverbs says, without revelation, that means prophetic revelation, that people perish. They wander, they stray. The, 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 the word in Galatians, which I got to read real quick. Did I read Galatians already? Let me read it again. I'm going to read it again. Galatians 3, 4. How foolish are you after, after your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you trying to become perfect by your own effort? Have you experienced so much? Actually, that word, in, the reason I didn't have that here, and I just want to talk just a little bit about it. The word there is, why are you continuing in the flesh? In the New King James, that word means actually the, the, the unrenewed man, the carnal man. Why are, you, why, why are you trying to, you started in the spirit, why are you trying to continue in a way of thinking that is void of the thinking of God? So here's the, here's the truth. Let me, can I get five more minutes? Do y'all mind? Can I have five? I need, a, I, need a, I need a solid approval for five more minutes. All right, good. Let me give you a couple. Abraham, Abraham, I want you to leave what you know, and I want you to go where I want you to go. What's Abraham say? Where am I going? I'll tell you. I'll tell you as you go, right? How about Samuel? Samuel wakes up as a boy. He's a boy. He's a teenager at best. He might be even younger than that. And, and he hears his voice. He hears his voice. He hears his name. And he, and he goes to his spiritual mentor. And his spiritual mentor says, that's the Lord. Just say, you know, he comes three times and says, that's the Lord. Learn the voice of the Lord. And Samuel learns the voice. You know what his first assignment was? To rebuke his spiritual mentor. That was his first word he gets from the Lord. It, it, was, it was difficult. 
But that's what Samuel got. But he learned how to, and the whole moral of that story is we need to teach our children how to hear the voice of the Lord. How do you do that if you're not even sure you can hear the voice of the Lord? You know, you got to get seasoned in that before you can even do that. And, and, and then Joseph. Let's think just a minute about Joseph. You know, some people think, maybe, that if they are in God's perfect plan, then everything is going to be hunky-dory. They're going to be prospering in every way. Money's going to be coming in. You know, thing, life is going to be good. I'll, 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 is that possible? Yes. Is that the will of God? Absolutely. But what if it's not happening? Look at Joseph. He got a vision as a 14-year-old boy. That vision looked like big-time prosperity. What did he find himself? He found himself in a pit. He found himself where his family hated him so much that they sold him into slavery. Then he finds himself in slavery, in captivity, in Potiphar's house, falsely accused, thrown in prison, and do you think he was thinking to himself, man, I'm glad I've locked in to God's perfect will in my life. <laughs> but it says about Joseph that God was with Joseph and that Joseph prospered in the pit, in slavery, in prison, and then when God brought him back to honor and then created a whole nation. I don't know where you're at, but God has a master plan that he designed for you before the foundation of the world. And that master plan was for you to prosper. And when the presence of the Lord is with you, no matter what you're facing, you're going to be prospering. He will make what the devil uses for harm and he'll turn it to good. Romans says, Romans says that he works all things for good. For those who love God and are called according to his will. His predetermined purpose. So here's the deal. A paradigm shift has to occur. You can't be dependent on the way you've always done things. You can't be dependent on a worldly system of thinking to bring you into a place where you are locked in to God's master plan for your life. You've got to understand that the way to God's master plan for your life is not your way. You've got to understand that his ways aren't your ways. His thoughts aren't your thoughts. And from that place, begin to pursue his thoughts. Begin to pursue his way. It takes lots of conversation. It's not a minimal amount of conversation. God is looking for a people that will talk to him a lot about everything. He is looking for people who believe that this is Jesus and they want to hang out with Jesus more than they want to do anything. 
They want to know what Jesus says. They want to know what Jesus would have done. Because Jesus says about this, that when you're in a pinch, when you're being pressed, when life brings junk at you, the Holy Spirit in you will lead you to a, through a pathway of victory. It says, I will tell you everything I said. I will show you the way out. Well, we want it now where it might not come now. And the question is, do you believe God? Do you trust God? And are you patient with waiting on the Lord like Joseph did so that you can prosper all along the way? God is saying that for you and me. Now look, I think God is opening up heaven over this church. I think God is opening up heaven over your pastor. I think God is opening up heaven over your leaders, over the young people of this church. I think he's opening it up on all of us. He's giving us favor. You know what everybody says that comes in here? You know what Andre said about Wednesday night? One stroke of the guitar and heaven was wide open. He says, I don't see that. I don't see that anywhere. Are we going to take that for granted? I'm going to tell you the truth. The only way that that's going to be sustained, the only way that this outpouring of God's Spirit, this open heaven will be sustained and growth will occur is when we learn how to walk by the Spirit and in the Spirit. Amen. We come to a place where we realize that there is a tremendous dependency upon the Lord and that we want to know His Word and that we want conversation. And then He says that He would lead us and guide us. He says, if you'll draw near to me, I'm going to draw near to me. He says, no temptation is going to come upon you. I'm not going to show you a way out. He said, I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to yoke with you. I want the same relationship with you that I had with the Father. It's available. It's available. Now the question is, are we going to have a paradigm shift? Are we really going to get that that is becoming who we are becoming? Are we becoming that? Continuing to become that? I want it. I desire it. I desire to be transformed into the image of Christ by the renewing of my mind so that I will know his will, his perfect and pleasing will. Amen? Why don't we stand together? Thanks for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.